Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Ah, which is so good. Mm, those were literally my first sips of the day, so oh, I love that zing into the system. Today is Friday, January 31st, last day of January. But that's okay. The year isn't racing by or anything like that. <clears throat> Actually, I think for most of us, January tends to go pretty slowly. So that's, that's all right. Many people will not be sorry to say goodbye to January. Although February is equally cold. I think. I love that uh, Dar Williams song in February. If you don't know it, you should give it a listen. I'll put a link in the show notes. My my favorite part is where she says, um, he says, it's a, there's a crocus, and I said, what's a crocus? And he says, it's a flower. And I tried to remember, but I said, what's a flower? And he said, I still love you. It's a great song about the, the end of a love affair. Um, she's, she's an exquisite songwriter anyway. So, so here we are. Uh, so I'm going to share also a link to a review of Prisoner of the Crown that I saw just this morning. It, uh, I saw it because of Google Alerts. I didn't get tagged on it. But I do have a Google alert set up for my name. It's always interesting to see. Most of the time it just picks up like my blog posts and podcasts. But every once in a while I see an, a review that I wouldn't otherwise see. And this one's very interesting because it's for a site where they're doing um, a challenge to read 52 books in the year. And it's to raise money for that's donated to American Cancer Society. And the gal who reviewed the book said that she would lose two people she loved to melanoma this year, and uh, which was kind of a weird coincidence to me that she uh, had reviewed my book because I have also lost two people to melanoma um, in my 20s. And both of those people were in their 20s also. So that was um, a very odd coincidence because um, generally young people don't get melanoma or die from melanoma. But in my case, it was one was Paula, who was a lovely postdoc student from Scotland, um, very fair-skinned redhead. And she came to St. Louis and she shared an apartment with us for I think just a summer. Um, and, you know, for me, coming from the Rocky Mountain West, I found St. Louis to be terribly cloudy, <laughs> um, especially in wintertime. But, you know, because there would be days and days and days where you wouldn't see the sun. I'd actually started going to um, a tanning booth just to get a boost of the UV. <laughs> I felt like I was starving but Paula would sit out on our front stoop and just soak up the sunshine. And she would always say how wonderful the sunshine was. Um, and I think about that often when we found out that after she went home, she discovered a melanoma 
and died quite quickly. It was um, it was a, a, a startling thing to have happen. And when I've told people the story, they've told me that she almost certainly, you know, melanomas developed earlier in life than that. And so it probably wasn't from sitting in the sun in St. Louis, but I always think of that. And of me going to the tanning bed, you know. <laughs> Alas. Um, and then um, one of, also in St. Louis, uh, one of my uh, college friends, her boyfriend, um, maybe even fiance, I don't know if she'd ever gotten, they were engaged, they were certainly living together, um, but he got melanoma and died. And that was a very dark time for her and did my best to support her. I didn't know him nearly as well, but I knew him kind of. So anyway, this um, review is <laughs> just an astonishingly good review um, of Prisoner of the Crown. And she acknowledges all the things that are difficult and painful about that book. I guess when I wrote it, I didn't realize... I mean, I knew I was confronting a painful and difficult topic, and I wanted to handle it very um, honestly. I didn't want to wave my hands over it, and I wanted to show the realities of what abuse can do to a person, especially if they are raised in an abusive situation. And, But I, I didn't anticipate that it would be so difficult for people to read. I'm not sure. I don't think I would change things knowing that now, but but yeah, I um I know that that some people have a hard time reading that book and have not read that trilogy because they can't get past that first difficult book. But this review, you know, it's one of those rare reviews where she absolutely and totally got everything that I was trying to do because I was very much trying to show the triumph of kindness over inbred abuse and and how good people can come out of bad situations. So it's a lovely review. I won't attempt to, to recapitulate it further because... Um, she really did a fantastic job of writing it up, so I will link to it, and I'm going to share it on social media because I'm just so pleased by it. <coughs> so um, one of the other things I was thinking about is <laughs> I got an email encouraging me to come to a conference, a reader conference that I have been to before. Um, the gal organizing it is someone I've always liked. And I, as I said, I've been to the conference. And she um, was sending me, sending the email to a bunch of people hoping to get on our schedules for next year. And the thing is, is that, you know, and she has in the email, she, she bullet points, and she says how much the author registration is. And she says that she cannot cover expenses for anyone and that she's sorry, but that's how it is. So not only do authors have to pay their own 
travel, and all expenses, but authors have to register for the conference. And the registration fee is higher than for a reader. And I, she, and she put on there, she put in parentheses, I know this is a deal breaker for some. And, and it is, it is a deal breaker for me. Um, I used to go to conferences like that and I just won't do it anymore. Um, that, you know, with her charging more for an author to attend, for a reader to attend, she is funding the conference off of the authors. So, it's um it's it, the principle of the thing bothers me deeply that author, that the authors who are the content who are the reason for readers to attend the conference are the ones who are also paying for the conference or at least paying a larger share for the conference i know that it's entirely possible to run a conference or a convention, con, whatever. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a fundamental difference between a conference and a convention. I guess I could look it up, but I don't care that much. <laughs> uh, but I know that it's entirely possible to run a con, we'll just call it a con, by not requiring your authors to pay more than the readers or pay a registration at all because I go to them. Um, most science fiction and fantasy conventions are comp the author's registration. Sometimes they'll even offer a little bit for travel or they'll offer an honorarium. You know, they do what they can. But their financial structure is set up so that the convention is run off of money, you know, paid by registrants <laughs> and the authors are not expected to be both content and the um, there's probably a good word for what I want but I'm, I'm getting a little brain dead from doing these page proofs um, you know not expect to be you know, carrying the bulk of the uh, financial support for the event and then there are certainly ones where they not only comp registration but they uh, pay your travel and pay you an honorarium. So I know it can be done, and I understand that she feels like that's how she needs to run this one. And and she is by far not the only one because there's a number of, especially romance cons that are run this way. And you know, I guess you know if they can keep doing it that way, great. I do feel like this is something that has come about as a result of self-publishing. I've talked about this some before. Um, and and that's nothing against the self-publishers because I self-publish myself. You know, that self-publishing authors were looking for opportunities to reach readers. And so they're willing to invest in those kinds of promo opportunities. And so it created a an almost parasitic community feeding off of that willingness. Uh, and I just feel like it's um, not something that authors should be expected to do. You know, it comes back to, it's funny that this is, um, you know, off-sided in science fiction and fantasy, which is Yogg's Law, that money should flow to the writer, and that romance does not have an equivalent. <laughs> um, 
you know, and why? Why don't we have that equivalent? But if you take that as a fundamental for all things, that money should flow to the writer, not away from the writer, then a lot of the things that are taken as um, business as usual in the romance world, you know, they violate that law. And I, I would love to see that change. You know, we're facing a lot of upheaval in the romance community right now, changing a lot of the ways that we talk about romance and talk about diversity within RWA and so forth. I think that um, we should reframe some of these things. I think that if, if it were up to me, I would say that you know, if there was some sort of system for saying what's a qualifying con, <clears throat> that you could not be a qualifying con if you are charging authors to attend. I think for very small cons, yeah, you know, maybe the best you can do is comp their registration and hope, you know, and you draw on your local population a lot, or you draw on people who are willing to pay the travel in order to go to a fun place, maybe. But you don't charge them to attend. I feel like that is just, um, that that should be a rule. And I would really love it if we got all authors to observe that rule, that you do not pay registration to attend a con at which you are an, an author, you know, where you are participating as an author. Sometimes we just go as readers, you know, and that's fine. Um, I've had friends do that before. You know, say, well, I'm just going to, I want to come and see you, so I'm going to come and hang out with you, and I'll just be a reader at the con. You know, that's fine. Then you don't have to work, <laughs> right? Because being on panels and, you know, engaging with readers and all of that sort of thing is fun. You know, ideally it's fun, but it's also work, you know, and it can be exhausting, and you're not home writing. So all of these things come into play. <clears throat> Um, Assistant Corrine finished reading The Fiery Crown uh, as we slept, <laughs> as I slept. She was very funny because she texted me yesterday evening and said it was 2 in the morning there and that she was on Chapter 20 and she was going nuts wanting to know what happened but that she couldn't focus her eyes anymore. So by the time I woke up this morning, she had finished the book. And she was sending me the evil Jeffy hashtags. And um, it was really great. It was great hearing her comments. She um, was totally surprised by what happened in the book. And she said that there were twists and turns that she didn't see coming. And so that's awesome. That's the, the best. And so I'm terribly pleased about that. I'm excited for everyone to read this book. I, I hope that everybody likes it as much as she did. Uh, of course, now she's bad saying that she's she wants book three now, which, as you all know, and as she knows too, I haven't even started writing yet. But I'll start writing it Monday. I'm uh, what on page two two oh six of three seventy eight or something like that on reading the page proof. So I might not finish them all today, but I will finish them this weekend. I might space them out on Saturday and Sunday, but. I will get them done and start writing on Monday. I think I mentioned, I don't know, uh, editor Jenny asked me if I would do some teaser pages for the end of Fiery Crown, but she needs those by Friday as well. 
and um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just now thinking she didn't say anything about dedication acknowledgments. I think she's going to want those by Friday as well. I'd better check on that. So anyway, oh, I did talk about this because I was figuring 10 pages was about 3,000 words. The, the problem won't be writing 3,000 words next week. It'll be settling in on the, you know, if they're the right <laughs> 3,000 words. But it reminded me that I don't know if any of you all used to do this or still do this. I actually still do this. But particularly when I was um, a younger reader, I would... I remember from time to time doing like a page by page comparison. So I would like read the teaser chapter at the end of the book. And then when the sequel came out and I finally got to read it, I would do a page by page comparison of what they had in that teaser compared to what was in the final book. Did you guys do this? Um, part of it was because, especially when my brain was young and fresh, I had, um, I don't know if I'd call it an eidetic memory, but I do have a really good memory for words. And, you know, like I can remember where the digital readers have screwed me up this way somewhat, but I used to be able to find a passage on a page because I would remember what the page looked like. So I could open a book and go find the passage I wanted because I would recognize that page. Um, it does not work with digital readers, right? Ah, that was a handy skill too. But I started doing that because I, rem I remember it very clearly with an Anne McCaffrey book. And I don't recall exactly which, it might have been in the Dragon Riders of Pern books, but I'd, you know, read the teaser chapter for the upcoming book that I was dying to get and wasn't out yet. And so I had read it a number of times. And when the book came out, I started reading it and I was like, wait, this doesn't match. So that's when I started what became kind of a lifelong study of comparing the teaser pages to the finished version of the pages. And they really do change. And in some cases, uh, people have jumped a huge amount. Um, the What the teaser pages were ended up being um, several scenes in on the final book. And I would always be very interested in why the author ended up doing that. I'd noticed um, early on in the J.D. Robb series that, um, and I could grab the book off my shelf here, but I think I'm not going to. The very first in death, Naked in Death, the teaser chapter at the end of that is actually for like the fourth book in. And I've always wondered about that, what happened there. Um, you know, did Nora originally think it was going to go from that first to fourth book and then she ended up writing a couple of books in between? Or was that just the one that was ready? It's just very interesting. So all of this is to say that I feel like I'm not going to obsess too much about the teaser pages being absolutely perfect final because... Hey, me, Anne McCaffrey, Nora Roberts, who is J.D. Robb, in case you don't know. Um, you know, we are all sisters, right? <laughs> they could do it. I could do it. 
And with that, I'm going to get after my page proofs. Uh, First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you can find more podcasts that you will love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And I will talk to you on Monday in February 2020. (laughs) You all take care. Bye-bye.